Hello and welcome to the Community HealthCast brought to you by the Queen's Community Health Board. My name is Rick Conrad and I'll be your host today with our coordinator and podcast producer, Elizabeth Bailey. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you doing on this fine day? Oh, I'm just great, Rick. How are you? I am great. I'm looking forward to spring. Yeah, me too. And I'm looking forward to our talk today. Our guest is Elise Johnson, Accessibility Coordinator for the Region of Queens. We're going to talk to Elise today about a project called Mental Health Through Hobby Development. It's a six-week program set to begin this spring. This project is one of three being funded or partially funded this year through a wellness grant from the Queen's Community Health Board. So let's welcome Elise to our podcast. Hi, Elise. How are you doing today? Hi, morning. I'm great, thanks. Glad to be here. Could you describe for us what the project is and what you hope to accomplish? Mm-hmm. Well, as you said, we're looking at mental health, various supports, and I thought that exploring hobbies is a fun way to do it. Not everybody has access to either the inspiration or the materials or the wherewithal or, you know, if you're feeling isolated and down in the dumps, what are you going to do about it? So I just thought with my angle with people with disabilities, their programming was quite shut down in COVID times, even compared to at the best of times what was offered to them. So I wanted to offer some exploration of hobbies and see if maybe they have never tried something before and they could get a little support that they could enjoy doing at home. What's the general thrust of the project and how can these sorts of things, do you think, help in these situations? Well, so the grant is helping to fund materials, transportation venue instructors. Each week will have a different focus. So a theme, maybe it's painting or movement or sculpture. I want it to be low cost, things that you could find at home or in nature, you know, just a recycled tub for gardening or anyone can play music and just dance around at home. But I really wanted it to be something that was stimulating yet relaxing and just encourage people to kind of explore. Maybe they get stuck in what it is that they tend to do or tend not to do. And I just really wanted to promote exploring fun things to do that make you feel good. Could you describe some of the sessions? Or, well, I guess there are six of them, so we could describe all of them, really. Yeah, I'll go through each one. So I mentioned painting, and I think that's a really fun way for some people, not everybody. But my angle is I don't like to hear, oh, I'm not artistic or I can't paint. That's baloney. Everybody can paint. (laughs) And, you know, you don't have to be selling it in a gallery or anything. But it could be just a fun way of exploring your feelings. You know, are you feeling kind of bright and colorful and messy or you want it to be tight and controlled or maybe a little darker? I mean, it's just a way of getting in touch with your feelings in a different way. So there is actually an art therapist here. I'm not going to really mention any names just yet in case they change, but I have been reaching out to a few different people in the community who are excited about the project. In fact, they all want to do a series of sessions. And I'm saying, okay, well, this is just an intro. We'll just start small and we'll see where it goes. But I have somebody who can lead some art therapy. And what could be fun is offering it to people who felt that they couldn't do it. Not just that I'm not artistic, but maybe I don't have good dexterity. Maybe I can't really hold a paintbrush. Maybe I have bad eyesight. Maybe I'm in a wheelchair and I just never had a chance to go to an art class. So I really wanted to offer this to a range of abilities And at the same time, we're going to be testing the instructors because maybe this instructor has never thought about 
a paint session for somebody who has low vision. So are we going to use high contrast colors or maybe we're going to use like finger paint? Maybe it's more of a tactile thing for them. So I think that's sort of a fun angle as well. Session two, I don't really have a one word name for it. Let's call it drama. It's building self-confidence and maybe a stage presence. Like a lot of people have never been on a stage and maybe you're nervous or you don't really want to be on a stage in front of an audience. So here we're going to have no audience, but you can try being on the stage. And if you don't want to have a big voice, maybe you want to just bang a drum. Maybe you don't want to be on stage and you can be audience and cheering people on. But I just like the concept of trying something new. And as I say, finding a voice if you're typically shy or anxious or have never just had that chance. Another one is called mindful movement. So whether it's a bit dancey or, you know, it doesn't have to be choreographed, but some people feel, again, this shyness like, oh, I can't dance. Maybe I limp. Maybe I'm in a wheelchair. You know what? It doesn't matter. Just feel some music, connect to some music. Maybe if you're, again, low vision, we, I have a member on my committee who is completely blind, but you know, you shouldn't feel shy to just move and express yourself with your body. To dance, we don't have to be the dancer's body physique. And I love dancing. I think everybody should just turn up the music when they vacuum and sweep or whatever you're doing. Just enjoy yourself. Another one is, call it seasonal decorating. So whether it's kind of flower arranging or like a table centerpiece, I just always did this with my kids. We would find things outside, pine cones, flowers, leaves, sticks of different textures and colors, and just sort of make something. It doesn't have to be glued down or turned into a frameable piece of art. You can have fun with patterns. Maybe we'll take a picture and you decide if you want to frame the picture, but that it doesn't have to be like a long-term thing. You can have a lot of fun with that. Another one is kitchen gardening. So we don't have to be kneeling outside in the garden with expensive materials. Let's take the scrap of onion or the base of our lettuce or the garlic, you know, things that look like they're sprouting and you don't want to eat them anymore. Plant them in a little yogurt tub of dirt that you found outside and we'll see what happens there. Maybe we'd do some herbs, but letting people know that it's really more accessible than they probably think. And finally, exploring sculpture. Uh, as much as there is somebody who's doing um, kiln-dried serious sculpture, I think we'll probably look at air-dried, maybe even Play-Doh. I mean, again, it's that sensory experience. Maybe you just want to play mushy with your hands. Maybe you want to create something, whether it's abstract or whether you want to try making it look like a cat or a cup or I don't know, it's up to you, but just we could talk about that. Again, for people who don't have great dexterity or sight or maybe hearing, we have to learn how to engage with you. They all sound very interesting. How did you arrive at the sessions that you want to do? I really wanted the range of activities that anybody could do. We can make anything accessible. We just have gotten into the habit of making things not accessible. So I also don't want it to be a financial barrier. We'll keep it, like I said, found found objects outside, found in the kitchen, found in the recycling bin. We can play with these things. But, you know, if there's some cost like painting, I'll go to the dollar store, get some materials there. So it was really just trying to have a range. So we have a movement-based, a vocal-based, a visual, maybe audio, the gardening. I like edibles. Just looking for a range of things. 
do the participants have to take all of them or can they pick and choose which sessions they do? I would say you can choose as many as you want. Now, we know the COVID restrictions in terms of how many people can I have at a venue. If I roll this out through May, we'll see where we're at. For people who really don't want to or can't get out of their home, we'll try to let you participate at home. We'll bring you the materials you need and you'll join us digitally. And what do you hope participants get out of the project? Yeah, like just a new experience and a confidence to explore. You know, there's no right or wrong. There's nothing you can or cannot do. And as I hinted at, I want the instructors to have a new perspective and recognizing, oh, how do I present dance in a different way? Or how is somebody going to paint if they can't see? I know you've been in the job for a relatively short time, but in your experience, how important are activities like this for people in the groups that you're trying to reach? Oh, gosh, so important. So my job, my role is a little bit, I don't want to say restricted, but you know, there is a mandate coming down from the province and I'm to assess the physical buildings of the municipal assets first before it rolls out to a private sector. But in as much as that, I'm meant to be a resource to the community and I'm supposed to be helping people provide more accessible goods and services. And I'm trying to help the people who want these things find out where can I get it. And of course, there's a lot more in Halifax, but I'm really trying to connect the dots. And I see that some people really hit barriers more than the able-bodied person is aware, be they physical barriers, attitudinal barriers, you know, for employment, or even this concept of like, yeah, I teach painting, but I'm not going to necessarily go through Penny Lane to offer it. So yeah, just opening doors, opening eyes. I'm going to use my role to do that. How do you uh, plan to reach people or to encourage people to participate? I have a group of what I call my intermediaries. Because I don't have direct contact or access to the target market necessarily that I want, the target audience, I use groups like Department of Community Services. They have a lot of people who are on, say, a disability tax credit or something like that. They have low-income families. There's the senior safety, RCMP link through home support I can use. VON might be more elderly, but there are people who are isolated and feeling reduced mobility, sight, hearing, reduced engagement. Why do you think it's important for people in those kinds of target groups to maybe participate in something like this? What I keep hearing is that there's a number of people that feel neglected that feel disengaged, and then they start to have a negative outlook altogether. I've heard this both for elderly representation and also for the more cognitive through Penny Lane. They feel like they're never given a chance that they have things to offer, and they're just ignored. The visibility is very low. It's also to remind them that they can participate in things and that there is some support and it might take a little bit of looking and searching, but um, promoting a bit of self-advocacy as well. Connecting the dots, letting people see that there are organizations that want to support them and that want to show what they have to offer and what they can do. Definitely the pandemic exacerbated marginalized groups. If it was already hard to get support and programs, then even that little trickle was cut. The target audience tends to be a group that is not invited to the table a lot. And as much as there are some programs and supports offered to them, those little bits were cut with the pandemic. 
So anybody who was used to getting things lost it. And then you still have the group that never got anything. And they do feel, I gather, a little bit neglected. I've been hearing that both for the older population as well as the cognitive disability group that feel like they're never allowed to show their strengths or participate in things or, as I say, just not invited to the table. So I really want to let them know that the province is moving towards more inclusivity, more diversity in the workplace. And my role is to do it at the municipal level. So this is kind of informing our recreation department. And then it's also my outreach to the private sector. In fact, I'm doing a webinar today for the Chamber of Commerce in terms of improving accessibility, both physical and otherwise. And depending on the response to this, do you have hopes of it becoming a more permanent thing in the future? Absolutely. I've had a few people tell me they would love to see sort of a social inclusion club, maybe a drop-in center. So for sure, we'll see where the interest is. And maybe a few keen participants will kind of take the lead and I'll certainly support them. Mm -hmm. Are we at a stage yet where people can sign up? Or if they're interested, how can they tell you that they're interested? At this point, when I don't have specific dates, I would say just contact me. So you go through the region of Queens. The main number is 902-354-3455. You ask for Elise. Just tell me when you're available, what you're interested in, if you want to be helping out or what. So I will share Elise's contact information on our show notes and on our Facebook page, Queens Community Health Board. You can find us there. Well, thank you very much, Elise, for joining us today on the Community HealthCast. We're really excited about this program. Thank you so much for sharing this. Great chatting with you, Elise.